expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Scotty Reed, I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. It is a Thursday afternoon. It's a particularly busy news day, depending upon um, the type of issues that you pay attention to, but also uh, Hurricane Michael. We just got some of that rain here in North Carolina. Some of those strong winds uh, earlier today, I could hear a tree cracking. Uh, <laughs> Back in the wood line. So, but of course, us here in North Carolina did not get those 155 mile per hour winds. Uh, There was also a storm surge for those on the Florida coast of nine feet. And it left behind some devastation. But so far, uh, from what I can see, at least six people. Uh, may have been victims of this hurricane that um, died because of the hurricane. So I don't have any details on that, but that's pretty low. So I guess you got to be thankful um, for that. But again, uh, it was a category four uh, hurricane at one time with 155 mile per hour winds. When it got to us, uh, which was just about an hour or so ago, it was probably about 30 mile per hour winds, something like that you know, enough to uh, move the treetops and, um, you know, take down any uh, weak trees that may have been hit by lightning, uh, decaying, termites, or whatever. But um, some details from that, uh, as of Thursday evening, more than 900,000 homes and businesses in southeast um, had no electricity. Michael hit North Carolina and South Carolina as a tropical storm with heavy downpours and was threatening to cause tornadoes. So no tornadoes that um, I have heard of, no tornado watches or anything or any tornadoes touching down uh, that I've, I've read about. So thankful for that. Uh, let me see. Michael's core was approximately 20 miles north northwest of Raleigh, North Carolina, heading northeast at a rapid 24 mile per hour with maximum sustained winds of 50 miles per hour, according to the National Hurricane Center. So like I was saying, you know, um, they were pretty strong, but nothing like what the people who got hit hardest the most. So we hope that those people um, are able to recover 
and get the help that they need. All right, so um, welcome again to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Breed. I broadcast this program when I can. Um, try to stick to a schedule. Don't always get to hold to it, but that's Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays uh, at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. It was my grandson's birthday uh, yesterday. Excuse me, the day before yesterday, October the 9th, uh, he turned eight years old and um, just uh, doing some other stuff to catch up on some things that needed to be done. So I'm back here on this Thursday. I don't think I've been on air since last Friday, but I'm back here on this Thursday and definitely Kanye West uh, dropped a topic right into my lap as I saw some of his interview, which was broadcast, not an interview, but excuse me, I'm calling it the Kanye Trump Summit where Kanye uh, visited the White House and among other things, he dropped uh, a truth bomb on the desk of the POTUS, the President of the United States, and saying that the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery. Um, it actually continued slavery through the prisons. A trap door is, is what he said. And we're going to listen to that 20-minute 20, 20 um, segment from that. And I would say really pay attention. Uh, don't fall for the clickbait that's going to be out there where it's people just ridiculing uh, Kanye for whatever reason. A lot of gang affiliation um, occurs in politics and regardless of any truth that might be spoken or uh, just honest disagreements because maybe one party or the other don't have all the information, but it just gets into what I call gang sniping. You know, whether it's ganging up on people on Twitter or through uh, the blogs and in the videos. And so I, I challenge anybody who hasn't heard it yet, who is going to hear it here on BTR News during this first hour. I challenge you to take some notes. Um, I listened to it in its entirety and there are some gang sniping uh, in there. Um, not that some of the things he was saying wasn't true. And we're also going to take a look at an article from a conservative uh, outlet that says it's called the Washington Times that says that the GOP is missing the opportunity to possibly uh, get some black votes above that less than 2% that they get across the nation. And of course, we're talking about black voters um, and that should not be translated into millions upon millions of people. Um, very small percentage of people who are eligible to vote do vote. And then on top of that, there is the disenfranchisement um, that uh, occurs. That's very well documented. Um, but anyway, so it's a lot, lot to talk about. Uh, I do want to talk about North Carolina. Um, I do live in North Carolina and I want to make uh, BTR news, at least a segment of it where I'm focusing on things that's going on in North Carolina and locally uh, here. But, you know, whatever's happening in one state or territory, it's probably happening in all of them. Because throughout history, one state adopts the legislation of another state. But then you have, you know, groups who are lobbying all lawmakers to pass these laws in their respective states. That's what Alec does. You know, anybody who has heard of that, a political lobbying group, ALEC. Um, but we're going to take a look at the death penalty here in North Carolina. 
I shared this. Um, I know I didn't share it last week, but I may have mentioned it uh, on another program. But the death penalty is all but extinct in North Carolina. Juries have recommended only a single new death sentence in the past four years. The state hasn't carried out an execution since 2006, yet North Carolina has the sixth largest death row in the nation with more than 140 men and women. It's a relic of another era. So we'll take a look at this report from Unequal Justice, the Center for Death Penalty Litigation, based here in North Carolina, based in the city of, of Durham. And we will look at this now. I may have shared some of this um in another format, but it's definitely worth going over um, a little bit more. And again, I believe this is happening in, in a plenty of other states. But, you know, if you don't know what's going on where, where you live and you're just going to fall victim to to these traps out here. Like uh, Kanye called the 13th Amendment, a, a, a prison slavery trap. You're falling into these traps. And we'll also listen to the Nathan Bowie story, who is a victim um, person who received the death sentence, was innocent, proven innocent by DNA uh, evidence. And so we'll take a listen to his story. And I don't know if y'all saw this. I usually don't talk about these sort of stories, but it's related to racism. Um so you have this guy who is identified as gay. He was picked up, him along with his friends. Uh, he seems to be Puerto Rican, Latino, Hispanic, but he's supposed to be a Trump supporter. I don't know all of that, um, but that's what has been reported. But this happened in, in New York. So let me just read a little bit from Instinct Magazine. A gay New Yorker is going viral for all the wrong reasons. The YouTube video and GoFundMe campaign have popped up in support of the driver that this gay man says was threatening him. Before you see the video, we'll fill you in on what happened. So, uh, you know, this Lyft driver, a black male, picks up uh, these passengers from a gay club. So it's at night. Uh, they also seem to have been drinking. Uh, don't want to blame it on alcohol, but it does figure as a variable into these situations. Um, so the Lyft driver recorded, uh, started recording certain interactions. And so we'll take a listen to that. We're not going to listen to the whole 16, 15 minutes because it's kind of repetitive. But we're going to li listen to it. And what amazes me most, and I want to highlight in this story, is how this black man remained cool, calm, and collected. In other words, codified. Cool, calm, collected, and codified. That's the four C's. I, I just went ahead and coined that. And he didn't let anything this person say say uh, was saying to the police get him into his emotions. He know he recording the whole thing. Okay, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, he really went to the codification to the extreme because the... Uh, the passenger even uh, put his phone in the guy's face. I mean, inches away from his face. You know, he could have, like, touched him in the face, uh, violating his personal space like that from the back back seat and being belligerent. So this, this black man uh, remained codified behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. He didn't end up in slavery. 
Um, it turned out good, a good story on his behalf. But again, that's what codification is more constructive than than operating from um, you know emotional base. So we'll take a listen to about five minutes of it, and that'll give you the gist. But this went on for for uh, triple that, triple that. All right, so um, that's what's on tap. If you have any questions or comments about the stories that we will share, you can give us a call at 704-804, excuse me, 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. We'd love to hear um, your thoughts, especially on what Kanye's going, going to bring up. And we can definitely spend... 45 minutes just talking about um, the different things because I'm going to tell you Kanye touches on several issues um, some connected some not connected so he's in a short and this is a, in a room full of press and what have you and even pay attention to this one question that was asked of him and how he how he played it off um, but yeah we're going to take a listen to that at, at this moment and um, definitely pay attention, and if you have any comments about it, we'll be taking your comments on the other side. All right, so let me make sure I have the right video. Let me go ahead and, and pull this up. I'm calling it the Kanye Trump Summit. He had a summit with Trump. Bro, me? Oh, that Hold up. He had a, Trump, a summit with Trump. And some of the issues that was brought up was 13th Amendment slavery. You know, I'm going to mention that first. 13th Amendment slavery, the loophole, the trap door, as Kanye brought it up. Um, the un the um, lack of job opportunities in the black community. Uh, he also calls out American companies that are based in America. And even if they're multinational, you know, they started in America, but they... Uh, manufacture their clothing, their shoes in China and Vietnam instead of uh, putting those jobs and he called out Chicago. He, he said Chicago, Middle America, whatever, but he was uh, basically speaking to the needs of black people um, and the lack of jobs and the opportunities and the roadblocks and it's very, 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 again, he touches, touches upon a lot, and this was broadcast live all over the United States. And this clip I'm about to play is coming to you from RT, and so international media is picking this up. So people all over the world, depending upon what they really pay attention to and how this piece of media is framed to them, you know, what how they chop it up, how they narrate it uh, with their commentators and what have you. For example, RT. In a little short de description, I felt like, um, you know, wasn't appropriate. Kanye West has made it to the Oval Office for a meeting with his buddy, Donald Trump, bringing him, bringing with him a number of unconventional remarks. So I didn't see that that way. Well, what does unconventional mean? Meaning that most people don't don't deal in straight talk in the Oval Office or in front of the cameras and and they, you know, talk uh, or speak in political speak or political correctness, to borrow a term term out there. Is that what you're saying? And, um, you know, and I wouldn't exactly call them buddies. 
I, I wouldn't call them buddies. I bet you Donald Trump wouldn't wouldn't call them a buddy. Of course they might uh, say these things in front of the cameras, but we know personally Trump don't consider Kanye no buddy, and and we don't know if Kanye wants to be Trump's buddy. But what he wants is for the Trump administration and Republicans to address the issues that he care about. So let I, I would say focus less on the messenger and focus on the message. So. Uh, go ahead, get your pens ready for your critique or breakdown, whatever you want to call it, of what Kanye said and, and, and what he dropped on the president's desk today. And really, the reason why they imprisoned him is because he started doing positive for the community. He started showing that he actually had power, that he wasn't just one of a monolithic voice, but he could wrap people around. So there's theories that there's infinite amounts of universe and there's alternate universe. So it's very important for me to get Hoover out because in an alternate universe, I am him. And I have to go and get him free because he was doing positive inside of Chicago, just like how I'm moving back to Chicago. And it's not just about, you know, getting on stage and being an entertainer and having a monolithic voice that's forced to be a specific party. You know, people expect that if you're black, you have to be Democrat. I have a, uh, I've, I've had conversations that basically said that welfare is the reason why a lot of black people end up being Democrat. They say, you know, first of all, it, it, it's a limit to amount of jobs. Uh, so the, the fathers lose the jobs and they say, we'll give you more money for having more kids in your home. And then we got rid of the mental health institutes in the 80s and the 90s and the prison rates just shot up. And now you have Chirac, what people call Chirac, which is actually our uh, murder rate is going down by 20% every year. I just talked to the superintendent, met with Michael Sachs, that's Ron, Ron's uh, right-hand man. So uh, I think it's the bravery that helps you beat this game called life. You know, they tried to scare me to not wear this hat, my own friends, but this hat, it gives me, it gives me power in a way. You know, my dad and my mom separated, so I didn't have a lot of male energy in my home. And also, uh, I'm married to a family that, um, you know, <laughs> not a lot of male energy going on. It's beautiful, though. But there's times where, you know, it's something about, you know, I love Hillary. I love everyone, right? But the campaign, I'm with her, just didn't make me feel as a guy that didn't get to see my dad all the time, like a guy that could play catch with his son. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. You made a Superman, that was, that's my favorite superhero. And you made a Superman cape for me also as a guy that looks up to you, looks up to Ralph Lauren, looks up to American industry guys. Non-political, no bullshit, put the beep on it, however you want to do it, five seconds delay, and just goes in and gets it done. Right now, you gave me the heart to go to Adidas because at Adidas, when I went in, in 2015, we're a $14 billion company losing $2 billion a year. Now we have a $38 billion market cap. It's called the Yeezy effect. And I went to Casper. We had a meeting in Chicago. And I said, you have to bring manufacturing on shore, in, not even shore, into the core. It's not about the borders, the core of Adidas. And Chicago is the core of middle America. We have to make middle America strong. So I had the balls, because I had enough balls to put on this hat. 
I, I mean, this Adidas thing made me a billionaire, and I could have lost $200 million walking away from that deal. But even with that, I knew it was more important for me to take the chance of walking away from that deal than to have no fathers in Chicago with no homes. And when we do have prison reformation for no, because it's, uh, uh, it's habilitation, not rehabilitation, because we didn't have the abilities in the first place. We never had anyone to taught us. We didn't teach us. Exactly. We didn't have no one to taught us. Right. So um, uh, it's more important than any specific deal, any anything that we bring jobs into America and that we provide a transition with mental health in the American um, uh, education curriculum that a gym has worked on. Larry Hooper also has a curriculum that he's worked on. We have Montessori curriculums that we worked on. WeWorks has a beautiful curriculum. The Waldorf um, establishment has a curriculum. Uh, we have meditation. There's a lot of things affecting our mental health that makes us do crazy things that puts us back into that trap door called the 13th Amendment. I did say abolish with the hat on because why would you keep something around that's a trap door? If you're building a floor, the Constitution is the base of our, of our industry, right, of, of, our of our country, of our company. Would you build a trap door that if you mess up and you accidentally something happens, you fall and you end up next to the Unabomber? You end up, you got to remove all that trapdoor out of the relationship. The four gentlemen that wrote the 13th Amendment, um, and I think the way the universe works, it's perfect. We don't have 13 floors, do we? You know, so the four, uh, the four gentlemen that wrote the 13th Amendment didn't look like the people they were amending. Also, at that point, it was illegal for blacks to read or African-Americans to read um, and so that meant if you actually read the amendment, you'd get locked up and turned to a slave. Again, so what I think is we don't need sentences, we need pardons. We need to talk to people. Uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I was connected with a neuropsychologist that works with the athletes in the NBA and the NFL. And he, he looked at my brain, it's equal on three parts. I'm gonna go ahead, drop some bombs for you. 98 percentile IQ test. I had a 75 percentile of all human beings, but it was counting eight numbers backwards after it was repeating, so I'm going to work on that one. The other one's 98 percent, Tesla, Freud, you know. So um, he said that I actually wasn't bipolar. I had sleep deprivation, which could cause dementia 10 to 20 years from now, where I wouldn't even remember my son's name. So all this power that I got, and I'm taking my son to the Sox game and all that, I wouldn't be able to remember his name from a misdiagnosis. And what we need is we can empower the pharmaceuticals and, and make more money. That's one thing. I've never stepped into a situation where I didn't make people more money. So we can empower pharmaceuticals. We can empower our industries. We can empower our factories. We can bring not only Adidas on shore, we can bring Foxconn to set up a factory in, I think, Minnesota, 53,000. Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. They have 4,000 jobs, people making $53,000 a year. And one of the things we got to set is Ford to have the highest design, the dopest cars, the most amazing. I don't really say dope. I don't say negative words and try to flip them. We just say positive, lovely, divine, universal words. So the flyest, freshest, most amazing car. And what we want to start with is, uh, I, 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 brought a, I brought a gift with me right here. Um, this right here is the iPlane 1. It's a hydrogen-powered uh, airplane, and this is what our president should be flying in. Look at this, Jerry. 
So get rid of Air Force One. You don't like that. Well, we're going to have Apple, an American company, work on this plane with. But you know what I don't like about, it's not that I don't like, what I, what I need Saturday Night Live to improve on or what I need the liberals to improve on is if he don't look good, we don't look good. This is our president. He has to be the freshest, the flyest, the flyest planes, the best factories, and we have to make our core be in power. We have to bring jobs into America because our best export is entertainment and ideas, but when we make everything in China and not in America, then we're cheating on our country. And we're putting people in positions to have to do illegal things to end up in the cheapest factory ever, the, uh, the prison system. I'll tell you what, that was pretty impressive, folks. <laughs> you know, I hate to say this, Jim. Do you want to say something? <laughs> what do you do after that? If he doesn't look good, we don't look good. Yeah. Great, right? That's right. Isn't that a great statement? Yes, it is. It's so true. It makes a lot of sense. As a country. It's yeah, so as a country. Very I've never seen Jim Brown impressed before. He was impressed. That's true. That statement is amazing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to tell you, it's great to have you guys with us. And uh, we're going to go in. We're going to have some lunch. Uh, that was quite something. That was quite something. That was from the soul. I yeah, so you you had said of, of President Bush that he doesn't care about black people, and you, you've heard some people say that about this president. What do you how do you respond to that? What do you make of that? I think we need to care about all people, and I believe that when I went on to NBC, I was very emotional, and I was programmed to think from a victimized mentality, a, a, a welfare mentality. I think that with with blacks and African Americans. We really get caught up in the idea of racism over the idea of industry. We say if people don't have land, they settle for brands. We want uh, polo sporting Obama again. We want a brand more than we want land because we haven't known how it feels to actually have our own land and have ownership of our own blocks. So when you don't have ownership, then it's all about how something looks. It's about the patina, it's not about the soil, it's not about the core. So we focus more on, is somebody wearing something, does someone disrespect me so I gotta, I gotta shoot them? Or the idea of someone being racist. You know, we talk about uh, police uh, uh, murders, which we definitely have to discuss, and we have to uh, bring nobility to the, to the police officers and make them, because police officers are just like us. But this is this whole hate building, right? And that's a, a major thing about racial tension. And we also, as black people, we have to take a responsibility for what we're doing. We kill each other more than uh, police officers. And that's not saying that the police officer is not an issue because they are in a place, a position of power. Uh, but sometimes they're in placement of law enforcement, they need to be law power. It's force versus power. When you have, you shouldn't have to force people to do that. So a lot of times a police officer is sitting there, they're being forced to do this and forced to do that block and then they force somebody into something and force something. We have to release the love throughout the entire country and give opportunities. A lot of times it's just the overall lack of reparations that we, at any given point, we say, oh, this is racist, this is racist, this is racist, this is racist. So we don't have the reparations, but we have the 13th Amendment. We got to open up 
the whole conversation. So, and uh, that's a move, one of the moves that I love that liberals tried to do, the liberal will try to control a black person through the concept of racism because they know that we are very proud, emotional people. So when I said I like Trump to like someone that's liberal, they'll say, oh, but he's racist. You think racism can control me? Oh, that don't stop me, that's an invisible wall. But you don't think you, you, you reject oh, saying he's racist. You, you have one question, we can go to another question. Okay. I answered your question. I don't answer questions in simple sound, sound bites. You, you are tasting a fine wine. It has multiple <laughs> notes to it. You better play 4D chess with me like it's Minority Report. Because it ain't that simple. It's complex. Mr. President. I'm, I'm from the Chicago Sun-Times, so I would like to know what you would like to ask President Trump to do for Chicago. You're here to talk about crime in Chicago. The, the thing that... Um, that the uh, head of the police and um, Mike Sachs met with me last night at the Soho House about was we feel that stop and frisk uh, does not help the relationships in the city. And everyone that knew I was coming here said, ask about stop and frisk. That's, that's, that's uh, the number one thing that we're uh, having this conversation about. Uh, another thing is opening up industries and we've got to get some tax breaks to, because, you know, we're making, um, we got a speed factory in Atlanta, but the shoes are costing us $300, so it's costing us too, too much to make things. So we need some prototypes here so we can get people back working so China can't just beat us and Vietnam can't beat us. You got Levi's, the greatest jeans company in the world, making their jeans in, uh, in Vietnam. So we're going to need to get a few breaks to be able to have some places in my hometown of Chicago and the 2.7 million to the 9 million surrounding suburbs where we can create some factories. Now, I think it would be cool for them to be Trump factories because he's a master of industry. He's a builder. And I think it would be cool to have Yeezy ideation centers, which would be a mix of education that empowers people and gives them modern information. Like, sometimes people say, this kid has ADD, this kid has ADD. He don't have ADD, school is boring. It was boring, it's not as exciting as this. We have to make it more exciting, we have to mix curriculums. You play basketball while you're doing math. You, you, you learn about music while you meditate in the morning. We have to instate mental health and art programs uh, back, into the, uh, back into the city. So those are, uh, and also, Larry Hoover is an example of a man that was turning his life around. And as soon as he tried to turn his life around, they hit him with six life sentences. So I believe he's, with, you say don't tear down the statues. Larry Hoover is a living statue. He's a beacon for us that needs to see his family, that needs to go out and represent. When you have a block leader on every single block, they can own the block as their own. That's something I learned from Jim Brown from A Mayor I Can. We need to put curriculums from people who really came from the streets, not people who are just trying to set us up to go into a work system or prison system that applies to what people are really going through, which Jim Brown has created. What about gun violence with all the debate about the Second Amendment going on? The problem is illegal guns. Illegal guns is the problem. Not, not, not legal guns. We have the right to bear arms. President Trump has said that he favors stop and frisk. Are you guys going to be discussing that? Do you think he can change his mind? Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to discuss. I didn't mean to put you no, on no, blast okay. like that, bro, but it's definitely... Hey, I'm uh, open-minded. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. President, would you like him to speak at one of your rallies? He can speak for me anytime he wants. He's been a great guy. He's a smart cookie. Yeah. Smart. He gets it. Yeah. These two guys, Jim Brown, he's been doing this for a long time. Is this a future presidential candidate? Uh,
Could very well be. Only after that. Could very well be. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. We, we, we have a good... And the thing is, let's stop worrying about the future. All we really have is today. We just have today. Over and over and over again, the eternal return, the hero's journey. And Trump is on his hero's journey right now. And he might not have expected to have a crazy motherfucker like Kanye West run up and uh, support. But best believe, we are going to make America great. Now, the thing is, my, another thing is black people have an issue with the word again. And I believe my feeling from that is because I'm going to throw I'm going to go all the way Sigmund with it because time is a myth. All we have is now. All we have is today. So the word again, it doesn't hurt us because of the idea of racism and slavery and different things. It, it, it hurts us because we need to focus on who we are now, today, I, I believe. So I actually brought some hats in that have a bit of a transition. I'm not, not trying to put you up there in the spot a little bit. Uh, I made a hat uh, that says, make America great. Just that. But I would love to see at the Super Bowl, Trump wearing the Make America Great hat, Colin making, wearing the Make America Great and showing that we can bend a bit on this side, we can bend a bit on this side, and we can learn how to be malleable in the infinite universe that we are and the loving beings that we are, that we don't have to stick to all traditions. And we aren't a side. We are one unit. We are one country. We are one moment in history and time. We might have been here before, but right now we're here together and the greatest value that people have are other people. And we need to stop working on red and blue. It's like a gang again. Let me ask you this question. You're in the Oval Office. Okay. How does it feel to be in the Oval Office? Oh, it is good energy in this. Isn't it good energy? Yeah. It's good energy. It's a great place. Jim, how do you feel? I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I truly feel good. I yeah. thank you, too. You're so respected. And what Kanye's doing has been incredible. All over the world, they're talking about this. And I have to tell you, I had important meetings today with senators and with everything. Nobody cared. They wanted this meeting. This is the meeting. Is that right? I can say that to John. Uh, no, the others were good, right? But this is what they want. Maybe only you would be here. Well, it's my honor, Jim. I want to tell you, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Long time. Nobody like you. Nobody like you. No athlete like you. Well, you know why I'm here? I'm here to serve. Yeah, it's really nice. Dude. I'm not here to ask for anything. I'm yeah. here to contribute. And you know, that's always been the way Jim has been for a long time. And he just wanted to help. And it's, it's something special. Jennifer, did you have a question? Um, I guess just you, what do you feel about stop and frisk? Are you going to have... Well, we're going to look at it. I'm, I'm open to everything. Hey, look, I think it's a shame what's happening in Chicago. And what else can be done? In I'm in Chicago a lot, too. I have nice things in Chicago. You know that, yeah. right? And I hate to see what's happening. They're having numbers, the numbers of people being shot and killed, and it's, it's, not, it's not for this country. So they have to do something, and I am totally open. If we can do it a different way, Kanye, I'm totally open. But they have to do — I mean, we all agree they have to do something. That's for sure. Is it a law enforcement issue, a legislation? Well, maybe it's a combination of both. I, yeah, I guess it is, but I think it's probably a combination of both. And it's also a respect issue. They respect this guy. They respect this guy. That's a big thing. Right now, they're not respecting, let's say, your mayor or let's say your leadership in Chicago. But certainly, it shouldn't be happening. What's going on there should not be happening. Steve, go ahead. Uh, honestly, from our standpoint, this was just set up to be a lunch. 
of two people that I like, and I guess they like me. And we're gonna have lunch. We're gonna talk. You said. You said. I guess you know I love you. I know. Did, did I, did but I don't want to take. I don't want to put you in that spot. But no, I'm, I'm standing in that spot. I love this guy right here. Let me give this guy a hug right here. I love this guy right here. Yeah. That's really nice. And that's from the heart. I didn't want to put you in that position, you know, but, but that's from the heart. Special guy. These two are special people. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it, they're special people. And I appreciate it. Jim, Kanye, I appreciate it. So let's go have some lunch. Okay? Thank you all very much. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you all very much. Great, John. Okay, so you just heard there uh, just about 20 minutes of, I would call it a press uh, conference, a press briefing uh, between those three men there. And so we want to open up the phone lines if you have any questions or comments, if you were taking notes, and um, whatever's on your mind about this, what I'm calling the Kanye. I guess we got to throw Jim Brown in there too, right? You know, Jim Brown's not really getting the headlines. Kanye is, but Jim Brown was there as well. And they talked about a program that he started. And I uh, don't know much about this program. I knew he had a nonprofit and, um, you know, some things that he was doing out there on on the West Coast. So um, I guess they'll be pushing uh, that. So some of the things that, that I heard, and we'll go to the phone lines here if anybody has any comment. Uh, comment, but the 13th Amendment was brought up, uh, spoke about mental disorders, uh, making the United States a tech hub for manufacturing, even pitched a hydrogen fuel-based airplane, which reminded me of those hydrogen uh, cars that don't have any kind of emissions that's uh, coming out of Australia. Uh, let me see, saying America only exports entertainment and intellectual property to be made overseas. Um they touched upon racism, talked, brought up his Bush comments, um, a whole lot there. Stop and frisk, um, you know, Kanye's against that. Trump just advocated for stop and frisk in, in Chicago just days ago, in which this has been ruled unconstitutional by the federal courts in New York. So Trump saying, Trump, I'm sorry, Trump saying he's open to changing his stance and if we can do it another way um so he publicly stated that so uh just a few things so there's a lot there uh 20 a lot said in 20 minutes at times kanye was erratic at times kanye was um um giving us some right-wing talking points and you know the stuff about the welfare and taking the fam the man out to home and yes there's evidence to to prove that and I, I was just recently listening to a broadcast. I can't remember who was the host or what the series was named, but they were saying, you know, all these white people in the suburbs uh, also was on the welfare, but those rules weren't being enforced against them. And and so, um, yeah, that was a very interesting comment. So, you know, Kanye needs to be further educated on how the welfare system works, which was set up under the New Deal under Roosevelt after the stock market crash and all these poor white people during the Dust Bowl era. And he came up with the welfare program called the New Deal. And a lot of people uh, 
white people, because they were the only ones allowed to um, participate in these programs, and they still, you know, they they were able to pass on generational wealth, land, which he brought up. Um, but he needs to be fully educated on welfare. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, that black stigma on welfare has been put there for a reason. But then, you know, he talked about it in broader context to where it is, you know, kind of true. It was ultimately to break up the black family. And although he didn't mention it, that's why you also was putting a lot of black males in prison. What better way to break up a family while acquiring a slave? And and so, um, you know, but again, this was just a brief con- uh, press conference and I'm interested in hearing you all's thoughts before I get in deeper into mine. But uh, let's go to area code 803. I believe that's um, Max Parthas, a um, abolitionist comrade. Hey. Hey, hey, Max, and you had called me when, I guess you saw it live, when it was broadcast live, and I had told you, I only caught like the last couple of minutes of what they showed on television, they didn't show that much, but, um, you know, and you you, you um, brought it up to me, and I said, I'll check it out later, I'm sure somebody posted, it. so, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts um, what, uh, what what would you like to focus on, or is there several uh, issues that he brought up, um, and how do you feel about them? Well, I'm going to try to keep it all brief. Um, first of all, I want people to understand something that is very simple. There is no such thing as a perfect messenger. You can have a perfect message. The truth is a perfect message because it will defend itself. All you got to do is think about it, but there's no such thing as a perfect messenger. So I want to get that out of the way. What I also want to point out, Scotty Reed, is not only the historical aspect of what he just did, but also the ripple effects that he can cause with this. Um, the historical aspect is only two men that I'm aware of, no women that I'm aware of, even Ava DuVernay, has spoken at the White House about the 13th Amendment and modern-day slavery. And those two men are Kanye West and Common. Remember when Common did the song Freedom in the, at the White House at Poetry Night? That's the only time that I've ever heard of anybody talking about the 13th Amendment at the White House. So that's historical by itself. And how long has it been since someone spoke about the 13th Amendment at the White House? You'd have to go all the way back to Frederick Douglass, all the way back to there, to point out that here we are, 150-some years later, just now figuring out what the problem is. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the ripple effects of all of this, man. The first time he did the uh, tweet, he affected on his own, I think he's got like 24 million followers, but all the TV stations and news people, everybody was talking about it. So he roughly reached, you know, maybe a billion people across the globe. We're talking about international news media as we're talking about this in print and on TV. And now he's at the White House talking about the 13th Amendment. He doesn't have to describe to you how the 13th Amendment end, uh, did not end slavery. Anybody with a fifth-grade reading ability can look it up for themselves. And that's what's going to happen. A lot of that discussion now is going to move to other higher offices in this nation, in Congress, in the Senate, because that 13th Amendment is an issue, and the people are aware of it. And they are so aware of it that the man just talked about it today at the White House. That's, that's it for there for that, Scotty. Right. And, you know, 
um, we didn't hear any of the news reporters that was there, and there was a room full of them. Um, the video in its entirety is posted to blacktalkradionetwork.com, so just check that out in the video section, video news and politics. Um, but none of them asked him a question about the 13th Amendment. Now, we saw some headlines. We don't know if those reporters represented those outlets, but we saw some headlines. Uh, uh, Kanye wants to abolish the amendment that abolished slavery, which is totally uh, incorrect. Incorrect because there is no amendment that abolished slavery. So, and the historic aspect, you are right. That, that's probably going to be lost on a lot of people. But, you know, he talking about truth bombs and he got into, you know, his little ego there and started talking about his IQ. Um, but the biggest truth bomb he dropped was the 13th Amendment right there on the POTUS desk. Bam, here it go. This is prison slavery. Okay, this is what's happening. You took the men out the home. You broke up the black family. Um, then you took away mental health treatment and now you got, you know, uh, prisons full of people. And let's not forget, he was talking specifically about black people, even though later he, you know, mentioned, you know, um, I care about everybody. Um, but anyway, you know, he was pointing out in, in the historical context, what has been done to black people. He was not incorrect on any of that. Okay. He's got yeah, Max, go ahead. If I add something else that you just uh, pointed out, the reason, and I'm very sure this is the likely reason, that nobody asked the question about it is because until this day in history, none of them ever thought about it. Very simple. They simply had never thought about it because if they had thought about it, it would have been more of a conversation a long time ago. Well, they wrote about it, so I hope they was thinking when they was writing um, a number of international and American-based outlets when the prison strike uh, kicked off in August um, and the, you know, the national prison strike, which got international solidarity from other prisoners and other countries, um, but a lot of international press. The 13th Amendment was, was, was brought up there by a number of activists. That were there at that time. The reporters who were taking pictures and asking questions, they didn't ask about the 13th Amendment because they'd never thought about it. Well, i like to know why they haven't been paying attention to the news then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we way past, like you just said, when he even tweeted about it, a billion people saw it. Okay? And they among those billions is what I'm saying, Max. So they thought about it. They've even written about it in, in the past. Remember, they was writing on the anniversary of uh, slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished, dot, 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 and not writing out the entire, you know, 13th Amendment. So I say they have been thinking about it and suppressing it purposely. And that's why he ain't getting no uh, questions on it. They want to. There are elements out there. They want to continue. Yeah, they want to continue to suppress it. You know, well, Donald, what do you think? You know, you the POTUS, Kanye in the past have has said that the United States never stopped practicing slavery. Uh, he's saying now, you know, you got manufacturing that's insourcing through the prisons. Uh, and, and so what are your thoughts, Donald Trump? Did the United States abolish slavery or didn't it? Did Abraham Lincoln abolish slavery in, in the uh, uh, senators? Um, you know, the politicians of that time, they, what what's going on? None of those type of questions, okay? None of those type of questions, meaningful questions. 
But again, I, I, I give Kanye props for continuing to not back down and keep dropping that 13th bomb on their heads, man. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Just say 13th Amendment. That's all you got to do. You ain't got to add nothing else to it. Let the people look it up. <laughs> They'll find out. It's not what they thought it was. Everybody in this nation has been taught in our school and through our education system that slavery was abolished forever. And very little has ever done any kind of research about what happened immediately after this so-called ima- uh, abolition of slavery. Convict yeah. lease, chain gangs, mass incarceration. I mean, the, digger, the, the more you, you dig, the deeper you dig, the more you'll find out. This is something that has caused uh, repercussions throughout every point of our history and globally. Because now, as Scotty knows and our listeners know, regularly these nations outside of America are adopting this prison model and using it. And uh, what was that? Turkey just announced they were going to build 274 prisons for 100,000 dissidents. We're talking about for-profit prisons. <laughs> right. Um, real quick, uh, I want to invite Otis in if he wants to say on air what he wrote in the chat room or I could read what he wrote in, in the chat room, how you want to handle that, Otis. Because uh, Otis is concerned about uh, prison reform. He's saying the 20 minutes was selling prison reform uh, and all of the repeal and replace will be shunted into uh, reform. Uh, he was incorrect on several points. Party affiliation didn't create the mess. So, as Scott, I, so I'm, I'm going to say this without an argument. You know what this exactly reminds me of? As a teenager, when James Brown came out with that song, uh, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, mm-hmm. we went out and bought that little 45, and the farmers in the barbershop told me, you keep on hollering, James Brown said Black and Proud, listen to it. We slowed it down, and we listened to it. James Brown never said the words, I'm Black and I'm Proud. He said an intro, the people in the, the, the children and the people in the in the background and of course said I'm black and I'm proud nowhere in this 20 minutes did the commander in chief for the United States say anything positive about the 13th what he did is brought out Jim Brown from American and Kanye West who is supposed to be moving back to Chicago because the first year he couldn't get them to fund anything to move into Chicago. I'm not putting my eggs in that basket, so I don't want to go into a public dispute over it. I can tell you this. I guarantee you in less than 90 days, it'll all hit the wash. Okay. You done? All right. So, again, understanding the value of propaganda and what they may or may not do. There's also another element, and that's us, the abolitionists. Kanye has come out strongly and made the 13th Amendment in prison slavery the core, a a, a part of the core, uh, no, let me not use core, but part of his plan, of his political platform, okay? He's put 13th Amendment out there and talking about prison slavery and, and jobs and what have you, so... That's on that's on abolitionists to start pressing uh, Democrats on legislation, uh, Republicans on legislation, 
and us lobbying just like how Alec, Alec do. Okay, so again, the value of propaganda is these questions is being put out there. We could predict, we can try to predict, and uh, you know, Donald Trump's not talking about it because 13th Amendment ain't, ain't part of the agenda. He might still be uh, one of those in cognitive dissonance and don't understand it himself, but he's willing to listen. Okay, so that's going out internationally. What the United States is so there was no denial. I also heard. No denials from anyone that the 13th Amendment is connected to prison slavery. Okay, that that's right there. Who Who is disputing him on that? Nobody. None of them journalists. Donald Trump did, didn't dispute it. So it's up to us as abolitionists to push for the, the uh, legislative side, like the people doing in Colorado. Um you know, which is also an inspiring movement on, on their behalf. They passed that, then, like, people believe other states will look and examine their own state constitutions. So Kanye has done his, has done a tremendous service by just putting it on the, on, on, on the table publicly. Now, all that other partisan gang type stuff, and he even mentioned it in the gang context, but he don't understand, he don't seem to be cognizant that he's falling in that same political gang mentality. It's like he having two uh, competing thoughts uh, that are contradicting one another. Um, You know, you, you want to repeat Republican talking points, what you've heard from people who have talked to you, um, you know, with that perspective. Um, and then on, on the flip side, you saying, you know, something else. So he, he's yet to bring those two, uh, resolve those two competing issues uh, within themselves. So again, like Max was saying, though, it's not a perfect messenger, but the message got across. It's on us. It's on the rest of society through the peop- other people activity areas, the people that we can affect around us, uh, on the state level, again, is where I feel like the abolitionist movement really needs to push on the legislative while simultaneously, you know, you can be pushing for a repeal of the 13th Amendment and a replacement amendment, uh, which I proposed, again, which I proposed on New Abolitionist Radio is 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 written exactly like Section 4 of the Declaration of Human Rights, which we can bring that up. But here's my notes, though. Uh, let me see what time it is. I got a few minutes uh, to go over a couple of my uh, points. Um, and some of this isn't even on a political level, but on a spiritual or as some people would say, uh, his terms, metaphysical. Uh, I heard a lot of that symbology and terminology uh, also throughout that. It, that gives you a little window into, I guess, his spiritual beliefs. But he said putting on the MAGA hat was a Superman cape and gave him power. Now, some people might say that's ridiculous and uh, Kanye's off his meds or whatever, but I don't think if you're really looking at all the attention that he's getting by putting on that MAGA hat, you can't say it didn't give him any power because everybody wants to hear what Kanye's going to say next. And again, uh, that judge we had on, uh, on New Abolitionist Radio, it might have been her or somebody else. If I got to put on a MAGA hat to uh, 
you know, get into the Oval Office to bring up issues and advocate on the behalf of my people, then I'll wear that MAGA hat. Now, some of that extra stuff he was doing, like giving the hugs and all, Scotty wouldn't have done that, but I'm not finna uh, uh, nitpick on, on that. Y'all can call that cooning, clowning, whatever. But whatever you got to do, Kanye, to get the 13th Amendment repealed and replaced um, so that it actually abolishes slavery, get people out of prison, um, issue some pardons. We need some mass pardons or, or, and all the other methods, commutations and, and all that. But that's just the federal side, though, is what we're talking about. So everything, the federal government, yes, is the supreme law of the land. And so efforts should be devoted there. But you should most be spending most of your resources your time and energy focusing on the issues right there in your state and organizing face-to-face, you know, with people to to affect change on that level where, where you're most, uh, most effective, all right? So, but putting on that mega hat gave him, made his platform bigger. Now people who didn't ever listen to Kanye's music weren't fans of his music, country music listeners, hard rock listeners, uh, whatever, um, uh, elderly white people now is is like paying attention to Kanye and actually defending him and some of the things he's saying and none of them that I have seen are disputing the 13th amendment doesn't abolish slavery see that's what's most important to me all that other stuff jobs is important all that other stuff but getting people free is what I'm gonna focus on on the most and he pointed out uh, um, you know but the MAGA hat gave him some power it got him to the position where he could drop a truth bomb of the 13th Amendment on the desk of the POTUS. Nobody else had done it. And as Max, uh, you know, brought up and brought to our remembrance uh, poetry night during the Obama administration, uh, Kanye, not Kanye West, um, um, man, what's the artist that he, that he mentioned? Uh, Max. Um, Common. Common, yeah, Common, the actor and, and you know, started off in uh, rapper. Yeah, he's a rapper, actor, and they was doing poetry night, and he mentioned the 13. Do you remember exactly how that went? The quote uh, from the poem that he was reading? I can look it up while you're talking. Okay, do do that for me. So, on a mat, on, really, you can't say that putting on that mega hat didn't give him power. So, the way he phrased it, you can think about it like, you know, that might confuse you or get you to simply dismiss it, but it got him attention, right? Where they say bad, even bad publicity is good publicity because now all the cameras on me, the mics in front of my mouth, and I get to say what I, I want to say. And I, what I heard was advocating without getting into the details, which Kanye ain't got to be, you know, no expert on it, that's on us. That's on the grassroots organizations. That's on the Democrats that's in office or the ones wanting to run for office. That's on the Republicans to come up with some legislation that that is addressing these issues. And even if, let's say, you don't get the 13th Amendment um, repealed and replaced. But what if you got, what if you cut, give me just a minute, Max. What if you cut the current 2.5 million that's in prison or jail 
and cut that to one million. I would call that a victory. The war hasn't been won, but that's a major battle victory. That brings relief to 1.5 million people. So even if it fall, even if it does turn into reform and not repeal and replace, that's still a good thing where 1 million, 1.5 million people is getting relief. Um, you know, and also addressing the different te- technicals that lead people in, in the prison slavery, you know, like the Ferguson report uh, that we did, all that kind of shenanigans and what have you. Um, but uh, Max, go ahead with the, with the quote if you got it. Yes, I've got it. This is from A Letter to the Free by Common. It says, the cage bird sings for freedom to bring black bodies being lost in the American dream, blood of a black being, a pastoral scene, slavery still alive, check Amendment 13, not whips and chains, all subliminal. Instead of nigger, they use the word criminal. Sweet land of liberty, incarcerated country, shot me with your ray gun and now you want to trump me. Prison is a business, America is the company, investing in injustice, fear, and long-suffering. We staring in the face of hate again. The same hate they say will make America great again. No consolation prize for the dehumanized, for America to rise. It's a matter of black lives, and we're going to free them so we can free us. America's moment to come to Jesus. Okay. I, I don't think I heard the 13th Amendment in there. Maybe I missed it. Yeah, uh, slavery still alive. Check Amendment thirteen. Okay, uh, I, yeah, I missed it. I, I missed yeah. it. So, so that that's wrapped around a whole bunch of other words. Nobody, you know, today, and we appreciated that uh, comment. And see, here's the thing that that Kanye also touched upon. He mentioned he want to see, he want to get away from that, make America great again. And although I don't agree with his reasoning, a while. Uh, black people bring that up. Um, you know, he's 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 saying it's emotional or whatever. No, no, no. It's just remembering your history. And this country has never been great. Um, it, it has been great for one for a group of people that he pointed out did not look like the ones who was being a. This is this is one of my points, and I need to go to a break. Um, jobs. He talked about jobs. Miseducation of the Negro was touched upon. You know, no kind of technical training, no kind of real educational support. Um, you know, we could do a show on, and people do shows on uh, the lack of education. Uh, LeBron's trying to address that issue in the state of Ohio in uh, uh, that little city, or I think it's Akron. But again, people know about these issues. So he touched, he touched upon that. He talked about the destruction of the black black family uh, through welfare. And it wasn't because they want to keep people on welfare. So I'm not going to debate that with him. But mental illness, that, there's some truth to that. You know, um, no mental health treatment. Start putting everybody in prison for, for um, you know, minor infractions, disturbing the peace and call them crazy. And, you know, whole industry make money off of that. He brought up again the 13th Amendment. He called it a trap door to slavery. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but this is what I heard. Um, You know, I never heard anybody put it in those terms, but he's exactly right. It's the trap door. Um, He said white men wrote the 13th Amendment. And he said they did not represent the victims of slavery. Again, my own terminology, but that's what I heard him say. The people who were so-called emancipated and then set free by this 13th Amendment um, 
they didn't have representation. Okay? They didn't have representation. And as we document on New Abolitionist Radio and others have, have uh, put out on social media, um, it was one senator in the Senate um, um, judicial hearing, you know, because they had the different committees. And the 13th Amendment was being debated. And he spied what, what they were attempting to do, what it meant for the future of slavery continuing. Uh, I don't remember his first name, but it was Senator Sh- uh, uh, Sumner, something like that, out of Massachusetts. Um, but yeah, they were debating it in 1864, I, I believe. It might have been early 1865, but it was in, in a senatorial um, uh, justice committee, something, some title like that. Okay, and he and he spied what they was going, what they was trying to do, and nobody, nobody, Republican or Democrat, because like again, this is why I don't get into these gang political gang affiliations, red versus blue, which he touched upon, but he's still falling into it, and and, and millions of us I see uh, fall into this gang. I gotta be the Democrat or Republican, and if I don't vote for the Democrats, then I'm a traitor. Now, this is gang talk. You know what I'm saying? These are po- This is political thuggery. And so, you know, you want to be an independent-minded per- person, and, and let's just stick to the issues. Who's speaking the best on the issues? Who's putting forth the legislation that's going to bring justice? Certainly not those white men who were cutting a deal with the Confederates to come back into the Union and let bygones be bygones. And by the way, uh, to get you to do this, we're going to keep let y'all practice slavery. You just had to convict convict people of crimes first. I mean, the history's been done. Uh, documentary, you know, the 13th touched upon it. Um, slavery by another name does a better job at documenting uh, that period. So these white men wrote a trap door for, to re-enslave uh, these African-Americans. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to leave it there and take my break. But, again, if anybody else has any commentary uh, that they would like to share their perspective, what did they hear uh, in his words. Uh, but that's, that's what I heard. Let me cancel this video right here. But, listen, we're going to take a break, uh, kick some music, then we'll come back. And we can continue this conversation. I also want to move to North Carolina um, and talk about this unequal justice report from the Center for the Death Penalty Litigation. Because, again, you know, I need to focus as a North Carolinian. Um, I need to focus on what's going on in, in my state and attract the audience from my state so that we can discuss how, how to handle these things, you know, um, not just on this program because I do want to keep a global focus, but I'm going to be br- making segments, you know, what's happening here in North Carolina? Are we making any progress? Are we going backwards? What's what's going on? How are we going to end slavery? So we got the Center for the Death Penalty Litigation, and they came out with a report, and they're saying how obs- obsolete laws, these are laws, that were repealed, again, talking about repeal and replacement, but these laws weren't replaced. But obsolete laws and unfair uh, trial tactics created North Carolina's outsized death row. Um, so want to bring that story to you along with the story of Nathan Bowie, a victim of this practice, um, and some other stories on the other side. Um, continue to support the Black Talk Media Project, uh, bring you new media, most of it from a black perspective, empowering people to be the voice uh, 
of their own communities by helping you uh, learn new media technology like radio streaming, like what you're listening to right now. So please, we are nonprofit. Continue to support, appreciate all donations in any amount. But also, uh, get into becoming a community-based journalist and communicating with people in your local area instead of things being interpreted through corporate media and you all, you know, really not having any input in that. So, again, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News. We'll be back on the other side. to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. No, it really isn't, because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean in, you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that or what so-called nationality you have, like a lot of people say that they take pride in being an Englishman, or take pride in being a Frenchman, or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice, because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything. And, And waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people, and you've got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing.
And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Was just listening to some Al B. Shore there. Shout out to Al B. Shore. Very relaxing um, music there. I want to read something from Politico, continuing this Kanye conversation. Again, if you have any comments, any questions, agreement isn't necessary. We want your perspective. 704-802-5056 is the number to dial, or you could uh, dial in from your computer or smartphone by going to uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network on your computer browser or get the Uber Conference app and uh, pull us up that way. You can participate in the conversation or dialogue. But I want to pull up this article. Um, there were some additional comments that were made by Trump that you did not hear in that little press briefing um, there. So this is Trump admitting in a codified way that um, the criminal justice system has been racist and he said this is from Rebecca Morin she is I guess the White House reporter for Politico.com um, and it's really the headline is focusing on um, the split between Trump and Sessions and everybody know that or everybody that pays attention to politics knows Seth, Jeff Sessions during his career has always been your tough on crime, throw people into prison slavery type of uh, politician. Uh, remember he was, uh, what was he, a senator? Yeah, he was a senator out of, um, I'm not sure if he was Alabama or Mississippi, but from the from the Confederacy. Um, yeah, I think, I think Beauregard is his middle name, but she writes that President Donald Trump said Thursday that the United States criminal justice system needs reform and is, quote, very unfair to African-Americans, end quote, and that he would overrule Attorney General Jeff Sessions if he tried to stand in the way of changes. Well, just right off the bat, first thing that comes to my mind is cannabis legalization, which you've seen that take hold in state after state after state, either through voter uh, initiative ballots or either the state legislatures are 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 introducing uh, legalized cannabis for medicinal and or recreational purposes. No different than they how how they treat beer. Um, without the medicinal benefit, there are some with wine, but it depends on what type of wine you're drinking. So anyway, he's always been. Um, you know, pro drug war, pro Nixon's, you know, drug war, pro, pro uh, Reagan drug war, pro Clinton uh, drug war. Um, we had to do some research. Um, Carter, we don't speak on him much, but it continued. It was an unbroken chain of this drug war. Um, the new modern, I guess you would say, black codes with, without, you know, uh, attaching black to it. But that's who you targeting the most with these laws. Um, so he he is at the he's the top law enforcement officer. That's the Department of Justice. Um, I don't know if you remember, but Barack Obama told his attorney generals to stop busing marijuana dispensaries and, and what have you. But they still continue to, but just not as much. But anyway. Um, that's what this article is based on. So that's an admission from the POTUS right there. If you're listening, UN, United Nations, International 
community. He's just admitting to racism now, whether he's talking about it in past tense as if they don't, if it isn't still unfair. Well, you know, if we pull out the statistics, it's, it's very unfair. And the thing is with me, though, is I don't think anyone should be treated in this manner. So it's not that I'm asking that less of this treatment for African-Americans, a.k.a. black people, and more of the treatment and targeting towards towards non-black people. No, I don't want that. I want to end to slavery. I want to end to mistreatment of human beings. So, um, But there you go, the POTUS admitting that the United States criminal justice system is is not fair. Okay. The White House in August also agreed to hold off on prison and sentencing reform legislation until after the midterm elections. The Department of Justice supported the stand saying that the legislation will put drug traffickers back on our streets. So there, there you go. Um, it sounds like to me that a bunch of people convicted on drug charges, primarily cannabis-related charges, who were just trying to survive off of minimum wage and food stamps and Section 8 housing, and still that ain't enough, and, and trying to make some extra money on the side, and you calling them drug traffickers. These are not no Pablo Escobars or or uh, they're not operating on the level of a CIA. Um, so that's what it sounds like. Jeff Sessions don't want a bunch of people. It sounds like, you know, when uh, Eric Holder, and by the way, before time gets away, and if I need three hours, I'll take three hours. But one of the things I meant to bring up was on Tanya Free and Friends, which came on Wednesday, go to Tanya Free. Dot com if you want to see that latest broadcast, but she made a list of Democratic contenders, and Eric Holder was on there, uh, people that might run for president in 2020. Now, Eric Holder, as Obama's attorney general, fought to keep pre- people in the prison slavery, even when um, you know the White House and Obama started it as a senator, um, to reform the crack cocaine disparity. We're still, at the end of the day, we're still a, a disparity. And then at the end of the day, you shouldn't be putting uh, people in, in prison slavery for that, okay? Uh, you might need to hook them up with some educational or economic opportunity so they don't have to turn to something like that to to uh, make it in, in America, all right? But um, they are, when prisoners wanted to be let out and it applied retroactively uh, Holder's Justice Department argued in court against let, uh, retroactively applying it to uh, prisoners who had been caught up during the Clinton administration okay so again going back to Kanye falling into the game trap while at the same time telling people not to fall into this red and blue uh, game trap that they that this nation plays between Republicans and, and, and Democrats. They have been bipartisanly um, focused on on this stuff, and I just am very appreciative of this event giving me the opportunity to talk deeper about these issues. Kanye um, is his job is a musician. 
for the past 10 years, I've been a political analyst and commentator in addition to a, a black uh, media publisher for the past, past 10 years. I expect to know more and other details than, than Kanye, but he's given me an opportunity. He's given a, a max estimated billion people by just that one tweet. But now we're following it up with a presidential uh, press briefing in the Oval Office where the 13th Amendment and legalized slavery is being slammed on, on his desk. It's up to us to take, take uh, uh, to, to unify and work towards. So what, what does that look like? And so um, what else did Trump say um, here? But on Thursday, asked during a phone call with Fox and Friends, so he called into Fox Network, whether session is standing in the way of criminal justice reform. Trump said the decision is not up to the attorney general. He gets overruled by me, Trump said. I make the decision. He doesn't. We do need reform, and that doesn't mean easy. The president said during the wide-ranging 40-minute interview, we're going to make certain categories tougher when it comes to drug dealing and other things, but there has to be a reform because it is very unfair right now. It's very unfair to African Americans. It is very unfair to everybody, and it is also very uh, costly. As um, in terms of the messenger versus the message, are you going to dismiss that message right there? But those those uh troops that Trump just dropped right there. So I don't expect Trump to push himself to do do these issues, but somebody has to push him. Somebody like Frederick said, Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a demand. So to say that Kanye or Jim Brown or anyone else shouldn't meet with a known racist. Which was kind of touched upon in, in this. I think I, I wrote it down. Um, he said, Kanye said, racism cannot stop me. Uh, the reporter was like, and it might have been Trump himself. I, I wasn't watching, but somebody said, are you saying Trump is racist? And then Kanye said, it's not simple. It's complex. You know, don't try to trap me in a soundbite or, or whatnot. So he almost had a Freudian slip. And it's like to me that, okay, you can say this person is racist. This person can be racist, but I'm still going to put my demands on the table and I'm, this wall, this invisible wall, I'm going to punch through it. So um, I know that the spook who sat by the door is often brought up in situations like that when we're dealing with black people especially because of the cultural reference since it was, was a film in a, in a book in a screenplay but um, Kanye might really be on some spook who who put on a MAGA hat to get through the door and I didn't hear anything that he slammed on the table um, on behalf of black people pertaining to slavery pertaining to jobs that I'm in, in disagreement with uh, certain areas I don't agree with the delivery um I don't agree with some of the contradictions, but can we agree on, uh, can we use logical deduction to come to the most logical con conclusion or solution? And 
Here's another thing that was kind of big. He made Trump back down from stopping Fritz. Don't, Trump was talking about calling out the National Guard and, you know, just putting that out there in the universe and, and threatening stopping Fritz, which has been ruled unconstitutional. And we know it was used in New York. Um, the one uh, police officer recorded his slave catching commander on tape saying, in New York, target young black males. 16 to 24, I believe, was the age group that they was targeting with stop and frisk. And even if it wasn't an arrestable offense, you know, you give them tickets for whatever. A lot of it, again, was cannabis uh, possession. So um, Kanye said, no, we don't want stop and frisk in, in Chicago. Um, a lot of people on the, on this, in this gang warfare on the left or the right, whether, you know, these on the left, they say stopping frisk doesn't work. So um, you can't tell me you disagree with Kanye on, on that. So again, where can we see areas of, of agreement and working through all this? Because it is going to take, take work because it ain't as easy as how we talk about it on these radio programs. It actually takes work. Takes work. You know, uh, looking forward to a, a surprise guest on election night in Minnesota to uh, discuss the process of how you abolish slavery in the language of your constitution. Um, so, you know, that's something to look forward to. Um, but yeah, stopping Fritz doesn't work. And then Trump was just advocating for stopping and, and Fritz just last week and was even admitting to it and, you know, doing this press session, this press session. If there's an alternative Kanye, then, you know, I'm willing to take a look at it. I'm open to changing my stance. Who else has gotten Trump to do that? Has black Democrats, has the black Congressional Congress got them to do that? Has the Latino Congress, since Latinos and Hispanics get caught up in that stopping frizz too, and racial profiling and discrimination? Did they get Trump to, to say, that, say this? No. All we've been seeing is political sniping. So what what are they gonna put on the table now? Let me check the phone lines before I get deeper into this, cause I can um, bring up a whole whole lot of stuff. Again, the telephone number is 704-802-5056 If you have a question or comment, that's seven zero four. Yeah, I, I hear you, Max. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I would like to go back to originally what Otis said and his concerns, and you know, I, I me and you we kind of take things for granted. Like we've been thinking like generals in this movement for so long that we take a lot of things for granted. I just assume that we would always be fighting these same people. So the ones that are trying to take the momentum that is being built by the 13th amendment movement to end slavery and using that to focus on other areas will be fought against by abolitionists. I mean, it's exactly what our ancestors went through at every turn. And it's what we're going to go through at every turn. The private prison industries, which saw a 100% increase in their stock market value with Donald Trump's election, are not just going to stand back and say, hey, go ahead and tell us some more about that 13th Amendment and how it works. They're not going to do that. Every turn you look, there's going to be somebody writing blogs about how he's wrong, and there's going to be actors calling him crazy, and Captain America is going to give him the finger. All of that is going to happen. It's expected. Yeah. I and mean, I and, and it's not like he didn't offer any points of disagreement that if we want to, you know, like, it's complex. That welfare, that's a complex subject. 
we shouldn't paint it as just black. But certainly he said some things and did some things like hugging on that man, <laughs> you know. But hey, hey, if, if that's how if that's how he do business, that's how he do business. But I wouldn't have went that far. But that's petty right there for me to even bring that up to immediate focus on something like all oh, that nigga was hugging up on 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 you know uh, that white supremacist. Because I know how the hook. I shouldn't say the hip hop community, but the corporate rap media. I know that's how they write. The world star hip hop. That's how they'll they'll be talking about it. Kanye was cooning. He was house negroing up in there, and and all this and that. Instead of focusing on the stuff that can get up, get get our community and hopefully some other communities some relief. Because they're not going to pass any legislation that say if you was a black person and you was locked up in the 1990s for this specific offense, we letting you out. But if it was Hispanics, Asians, Polynesians, anybody else, y'all got to stay. There ain't no legislation getting passed like that. So anything that, that brings relief to black people brings relief to all Americans. And um, but let me continue on. Um, Max, did I cut you off? Did you have some more to say? I want to share a little bit more of this article before I uh, jump to a conservative perspective from a conservative outlet. Um, but yeah, Max, did you have anything to add? Uh, no, I'm good. I'll sit here and okay. listen, Scotty. Uh, All right. When the phone lines open again, if I have something, I'll add it. All right. So the pro- so it mentions that um, you know Trump was set to meet with. Jim Brown and Kanye West, who are expected to push for criminal justice reform, both have previously met with Trump and have endorsed the president. Trump gave the example of Alice Johnson, who was serving a life sentence for a nonviolent drug offense after being jailed in the 1990s to explain why he feels reform is needed. Johnson, 63, was granted clemency by Trump in June at the reality TV star Kim Kardashian West met with him to advocate for Johnson. Now, uh, this is a quote from Trump. You have many people like Miss Johnson that are in jail for another 35 years on a charge that, frankly, everything is serious, but you don't get life imprisonment because you're talking over a telephone about something, the president said. All right. Uh, Trump also praised Kanye West, Kardashian West's husband, saying he has been a friend of mine, adding that he is a very different kind of guy. I say that in a positive way, but he is a very different kind of guy. The president also uh, touted that his polls went up like 25% after the rapper came out and supported him, adding that he has a big, big following and is respected. So he's saying that, that Kanye got voting power. It's a fact Kanye's popularity can be transferred to a political candidate. They're paying attention to something like that. So that's name anybody else. Now you had Al Sharpton having dinner, Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner in the White House with President Obama did and many times that he's met with him and not just him but other so called leaders the Black Political Caucus, did any of them ever drop the truth bomb of the 13th Amendment on the POTUS desk and then pointed out how you, through history, have been practicing slavery through the prisons because you never abolished it. Name somebody that dropped that truth bomb on any president, regardless of political gang affiliation. 
So that again, Max is not not understating uh, when he says this was a historical moment. It's not about the messenger; it's about the message. And and one of the positive things that I got from that was that there was no denial by the POTUS that they was practicing slavery from anyone, not from a room full of 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 um, journalists with their cameras and their recorders and you know no dispute from any of them they was clowning them when he first said it then he corrected it with another tweet said he wanted to amend it but like we discussed on new abolitionist radio uh we even were wrong in our language in describing what we want to do um, because on the federal level, you have to repeal the 13th Amendment and then replace it with a 28th Amendment, which I propose be modeled after the uh, Section 4 of the Declaration of Human Rights. So, um, yeah, I, I, I see some positives in this. So um, now let's pull up this article from the conservative uh website let me see let me get back to black talk radio or excuse me btrcommunity.com uh, that's where I posted these videos in this article where where is it uh, Kanye West is the sound of opportunity if the GOP would listen and this goes back to the decision uh, that Trump made to hold off on on this, and we can we can do semantics all day long, but hold up on bringing relief to prison slaves through quote unquote prison reform um, until after the election. Okay, so um, if that's what you you know, if you're not going to pitch some of this legislation and make it known public and and not making it part of the debate proposals running in the 2018, then I'm not really taking you serious, uh, Mr. Trump or the Trump administration or any uh, Republican leaders, uh, legislatures. I should be seeing right now Democrats and Republicans trying to outdo each other to bring relief to prison slaves, if out not outright just abolishing slavery since Kanye didn't drop that, that bomb out there for y'all, that truth bomb. Okay. So, this is how uh, one, I should say, one conservative artist is framing it. Kanye West is the sound of opportunity rapping, if only the GOP would listen. This was uh, posted by Keith Kofler. Of course, that was today since this uh, meeting was today. Um, it goes on to say, this is in, a, in the opinion column of the WashingtonExaminer.com, um, definitely a conservative right-wing political ideology. I've, I've uh, read um, their articles for a number of years, so I know what their, what their political affiliation is. But anyway, this is what, what this writer is saying in an opinion column, column for the Washington Examiner. With one notable exception, Republican leaders are failing to recognize that Kanye West's pro-Trump, anti-Democrat rant on Saturday Night Live in the early hours of September the 30th was the sound of opportunity loudly knocking 
rapping, you might say, if you aren't afraid of bad puns. There was nearly ubiquitous snickering that he must be off his meds. West, who has referred to himself as bipolar, said as much himself, which he disputed in that press conference right there saying that he has sleep deprivation and that's what his neurologist is telling him and he has symptoms of dementia Um, but in the past he has said he was diagnosed as bipolar so I guess he's now claiming he was misdiagnosed Um, but he goes on to write and indeed his meandering lecture was strange but his comments about the press and the arts being overwhelmingly liberal and therefore indoctrinating people with a viewpoint so-so one-sided and democratic welfare policies destroying black families by taking the fathers out of homes would be seconded by any conservative be honest if west had instead taken over the stage to praise barack obama whatever the level of coherence nobody would be talking about him being baddie he just be given artistic license for his weirdness since great artists can be odd ducks. Republicans who are mainly white and seem to mostly regard black neighborhoods as places to drive through with the doors locked on the way out of town where were by and large probably as, as aghast at West as anyone, assuming they knew who he was. Little wonder that it took President Trump as routinely derided as off his meds or at least desperately in need of some to have the originality to recognize the value of what had happened and invite West to that building mocked in recent bestsellers as his own kind of sight ward, the White House. Trump and West met their Thursday. So again, we just listened to that during the first uh, hour. Kanye's journey to the GOP is frankly lonely given the world's he comes from black American arts community. Most Republicans habituated to seeding the black vote and black problems to the Democrats don't seem to care that West is reaching out. Trump derided as racist rarely fares to mention the declining black unemployment rate meets with black leaders to talk about prison reform and other issues and cares maybe personally, maybe politically, or maybe both about West's message that it's time for blacks to return to the Republican Party. Uh, Actually, this is in quotes, actually blacks weren't always Democrats, he noted on SNL. So again, this gets into the irrelevancy of what black black people's uh, uh, political gang affiliation was back in the 1800s. Obviously, there was more opportunity in the Republican Party after certain uh, reforms and constitutional amendments uh, being added to the Constitution, which allowed black, free black men, emancipated victims of slavery, to hold federal office and, and you know, Senate, uh, House of Representatives, and all of that. And then we can focus on the Democrats then passing state legislation using the loophole of the 13th Amendment to practice racism and open terrorism as well and how the um, federal government allowed this terrorism to go unimpeded to uh, destroy the black uh, political power base that was developing after the civil. We can go through all that and get all deep into that, but it's irrelevant to what's going on today. What have you done for me lately? I think that was... uh, a hit song by Janet Jackson, I, I think, might have asked that question. What have you done for me lately? 
I'm not buying into this political gang affiliation. I want to see what legislation have you proposed, what have you put on the table to repeal and replace the 13th Amendment by adding the 8th, uh, 28th Amendment, which abolishes all forms of slavery and ensures the human rights are respected of people who are incarcerated. Look it up. It's Article 4 uh, uh, or Section 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which the United States signed in 1948 after World War II, and this was uh, allegedly in response to the um, the uh, racialization of international law and national law uh, that the Nazi regime under Hitler. And what they were 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 enforcing in the occupied areas that they you know occupied. But again, we have to always remember that Hitler gave the United States and Mein Kampf in this and it's uh, Jim Crow laws, a shout out, and, and the Nazis in Germany uh, based their race laws off of what was already being done in America. We don't have to go through all that, but I can if we need to. But again, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. From what I've seen, I've seen more Green Party members declare themselves abolitionist people or candidates seeking office, all of them seem to come out of South Carolina for some reason. I think Greg might have something to do with that and Max might have something to do with that, but I've yet to hear a Democrat come out and and drop the 13th Amendment as a campaign issue in prison slavery, which is, of course, codified in that 13th Amendment, what about a Republican? You know, um, now I think this article goes on to mention, uh, uh, what's her name? Miss um, uh, Owens, who works for Turning Point USA. Candace Owens, Owens is her name. Um, she ain't dropping no truth bombs like 13th Amendment on, on anyone. Um, she's basically regurgitating uh, um, racist, dog whistle codified stuff that was developed during the 80s probably in the 70s these dog whistles the welfare queen go back to Reagan and and all of that she just regurgitating that Kanye I I think is regurgitating some of that because he's being fed that right now but he's taking hold of the 13th amendment and the prison issue and he's made that connection that this is slavery and you solve it with jobs and education. That's what it boils down in in a nutshell. Let's let's put it in the blender and and, and find that nugget. Let's cut let's cut away all the side issues and then that's the bomb that I want to talk about right there. That's the issue. So, um this article goes on to say there's plenty of room for Republicans to make gains among black voters if only they would try. Polls suggest growing black support for Trump, who received only 8% of the African-American vote in 2016. A Ramesson survey in August put Trump's support at 36%, and though that might seem high, it's still 17 points above the 19% tally by the same pollster the year before. Other polls show support at around 12%. So that's like dangling the carrot 
in front of Trump and the Republican Party. And they could jump aboard this this anti-slavery legislation or they could listen to the people like Jeff Sessions and and other slavers and and their lobbyists from the private prison industry. But people is is not accepting this anymore. And the people most affected by it just had had uh, demonstrations inside the prisons in, in the form of word strikes, hunger strikes, people on the outside of the prisons holding demonstrations and, to, and pointing out that this is slavery. So this is coming to a head just like it was coming to the head in the 1850s. This is coming to the head. This is history repeating itself in the same old stumbling block to greatness. You want to talk about real freedom and liberty and justice for all. This is America's original stumbling block. You can't stop practicing slavery. So y'all can keep, y'all can either hear this message or y'all can choose to ignore it. But I'm telling you, my vote goal, I vote on the issue. Some people vote on abortion. That's why the whole big thing about Kavanaugh and they was using whatever they could use against him from his past, but because of his his uh, stance as a Catholic on, on abortion, they're anti-abortion. Guess what? So, so am I. So am I. But I don't base, but I don't hold my religious views um, to the state and everybody, you know, um, under some law that's based on, hey, if, if there's a creator that's going to sit in judgment of that, then that's on him. That's on his job, but but you know um, that's a very complicated issue. But again, we're talking about the state. The state cannot have laws based on dictates of the church. It's just not. It's just not going to work work out that way. So some people that's their, their one issue voter. I'm a one. Oh, I'm not really a one issue voter. But my main issue is slavery. First, second, and third into is abolished. That's where someone asked me recently, why don't you talk more about reparations? Well, um, there are people out there talking about reparations, but right now I want to focus my energy and resources on actually abolishing the thing that we need reparations for. Okay, and y'all made more headway than the abolitionist movement, the reparation, because y'all got a UN report where people came over here and did a fact-finding mission from the UN and said the United States owe reparations. Now, you just got to find somebody to enforce that ruling or getting legislatures to, you know, the people in place that can make that happen and and pay that debt. But the international community is already, that's further than what we've gotten. Except for the international community is starting to recognize that the United States never ended slavery. Thanks to, y'all can call them antics. Um, some people might call it genius. Some people might call it some spook sat by the door stuff. But uh, that issue's being slapped right there, front and center. So what what is what what are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do to end slavery? So um, Republicans, I've stated this in the past. If they, I would vote for a Republican in this district if his central issue was on ending slavery and all the little tentacles that, that you know, drop down from that. That's the police brutality. 
that Kanye struggled to speak out strongly against, although he, he weakly acknowledged, he still acknowledged that this is a real issue. And, and so, um, if a Republican is ready to go back to the Republican roots of abolishing slavery, being abolitionist, in today's political parlance, I might call it libertarian. Be, being libertarian on criminal justice issues, but first and foremost, acknowledging that slavery was never abolished and we need to repeal the 13th and replace it with the 28th. So, um, you know, this this writer is saying that there's an opportunity there. You can make some pro possibly pick up some votes there. So is the White House making a mistake by not rolling out? Is the Republican Party making a mistake by not rolling out their legislation? What did they how they plan to address this these national issues that's being brought up? Since y'all embracing and adopting Kanye as a member, as a Republican, I don't know what his registration is, actually. And, and again, that doesn't even matter. But since he's being associated with the Republicans, you got a Republican right there um, telling, taking you back to the roots of the founding of the Republican Party, and that's the issue of slavery. And only one Republican... Excuse me, I need some water. Only one Republican during the Senate uh, debate on the 13th Amendment told the truth about it and had the foresight and, and pointed to the Northwest Ordinance. Hey, this was tried before. And he was basically, for those that use the term prison industrial complex, those who use the term mass incarceration, that's what he was described, that he had the four... Uh, uh, foresight to see that this is what's going to happen if y'all with this exception clause in this 13th amendment we've seen it happen earlier in colonial history in, the, in you know the northwest territory with this northwest ordinance that put people into slavery as punishment for crime why do we want to keep this language which is permitting slavery after we didn't fought this war and so many people lost their lives to end this this human rights crime. So, um, says in theory, Republicans want to deploy conservative economics and values to emancipate African Americans from poverty. In practice, when was the last time you see saw a conservative make a speech in a black community? Democrats may have wrong solutions, but at least they're in the neighborhoods. All right, so it goes on to mention Owens, and um, I don't think that she's offering anything constructive by comparing uh, registered black Democrats as being in the Democratic Party as a plantation. Uh, can somebody look this up, and or we can put the question to uh, Miss Owens. Um, what do you have? Kanye said he liked the way you think. What do you What do you think, Miss Owens? What do you have to say about Thirteenth Amendment in prison slavery? Okay, what do you have to have to say about that? Or is what does Turning Point USA, the people who sanction what you can and cannot talk about because they pay you 
what is their stance on Kanye's stance on the 13th Amendment in prison slavery? See, this is where we need to take it off of Kanye and then apply it to other people. Advancing the issue of abolition. That's how the propaganda game works. Um, I'm we're about to hit uh, two hours at the top of the hour. I still want to share some other news, so I'm gonna take another music break and then come back. Uh, for those that um, have any questions or comments, please bring them up. Well, before I do that, let me get through my notes because I took the time to write them. Now, so Kanye also gave a concession by saying, "Okay, I designed my own cap. I, I I'm acknowledging that some people." don't like MAGA because it says whenever, you know, we want to question then, when was America ever great? So um, to end that right there, that that little, um, that, that issue, this hashtag, this phrase that's dividing people, let's just, let's, let's just wear, put on some MAG hats. Make America great. And he said he would like to see Trump and Kaepernick wear the make America great hat on the same day or some lunch right there, being a businessman and marketer, um, you know, um, so definitely some of that was in the, in, in the speech, but um, yeah, and I think that was the last thing. Um, he did mention something about, again, as I mentioned, police brutality, but uh, in his way, he pointed out that it's the police that's the enforcement arm of unfair laws. He wasn't as clear as that, but that's what I heard. Okay, and I've talked about this. People get caught up in racism. Now, I've I've intimated this in a different context, in a different way, obviously, from a different perspective. But I was saying how some of these websites are, are race porn, where it's just they're looking or making accusations of, of racism in the headlines and in their articles without listing any clear evidence of it. It's a matter of opinion, but, you know, and and black people do get in their emotions, as I imagine Jews get in their emotions about anybody mocking their mistreatment, as well as Native Americans. And, you know, people get sensitive against crime, about uh, crimes against humanity, against their group. Okay, so let's not act like, you know, black people alone, um, you know, something wrong with them in, in this regard. And there's nothing wrong with it. You're supposed to be uh, care about those things. Um, but, you know, we do at times, I feel like, get caught up and want to call everything racist and that impedes progress on getting a deal done. I hate to be talking in terms that Trump supporters could understand, but the art of the deal is 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 what we could say what Kanye's doing. It's the art of the deal. I'm getting in the door with this MAGA hat on. By the way, I'm willing to take it off and just put my MAG hat on that I designed. Purchase just MAG hats. Make America great. Let's not beef any longer about if it was ever great. Marketing, dude. Marketing. I take my hat off too. You want on that? Um, but um, did I hear something? But uh, we do, we do, and it's programming because that's what the media. Now, for example, the root. I've been critical of the root, which has a lot of black writers, and some of those writers I don't particularly like their writing styles, but they do bring you information. But they also make a, a lot of accusations without evidence. 
And that's all they, they put out. But then when you had the prison strike, led by primarily predominantly black people, supported by Americans and non-citizens, uh, uh, again, because of the solidarity with the immigrants in the private prisons of GO and, and core civic, okay? They weren't writing about it. They weren't talking about it. They didn't say nothing about it, Okay? These are your black outlets like Ebony. I put a video out on it. I was documenting this stuff. So they are right now the producers of the, let's just mock Kanye as being off his meds and not break down what he said, you know, even though some parts he was running on and it was incoherent. But there were some points where he was very clear on, on made statements that very, you know, very clear on that you can verify and have a conversation about that. Let's have let's elevate the conversation instead of take it down to you know the gutter, the entertainment value. It becomes political entertainment then. Instead of breaking it down, having discussions and advancing the issues. So that's all I have have to say about that. We're going to take our break, uh, play some more relaxing music and when we come back I want to talk about the death penalty, um, these people on death row, since the death in the state of North Carolina, uh, sixth largest death row population in the United States, and just and uh, bring uh, one of the victims' story to light who just got freed. Here is a Underground Railroad um, candidate Max, um, you know, so we'll we'll bring you his story, Mr. Nathan Bowie, uh, victimized by these laws that have been repealed here in the state of North Carolina. Again, um, if you would like to support the efforts of the Black Talk Media Project, become a member. Become a member of btrcommunity.com which is managed by the Black Talk Media Project. It's a social media platform similar to Facebook, but without all the bells and whistles. Um, perhaps as we grow and get more subscriptions, we can add the bells and whistles later. Um, but it's a more secure form of social media where you can engage in exchanging information, presenting ideals, sharing media um, while keeping your anonymity. Uh, which can become a problem on, on your job, uh, depending upon where you work. All right, so we'll be back on the other side. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com.
Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. So we're going to move on. Um, we don't seem to have any new calls on the 13th, the subject of the 13th Amendment true bomb being dropped on the desk of the President of the United States Incorporated. So we'll move on to the death penalty here in North Carolina. Um, there has been some progress. That's the only good thing um, that I see that comes out of this. And by the way, before I move on, before I get into uh, this story, um, there's been some recent changes we hope that you like uh, as we try to bring you um, African descendant uh, black radio stations from all over the world. Uh, we have a, a featured section on the homepage called Featured Radio Stations. And these some of these radio stations are from the UK, uh, some based in uh, Brazil or Peru, and um, one in Australia and uh, different places all over the United States, including those, you know, who are based here on through the Black Talk Radio Network, we feature uh, some of those stations as well. If you are uh, one of our broadcasters and your station isn't featured, get with me. And um, definitely we had a class every Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern. That's every Saturday through this conference line, uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. And uh, we can show you how to uh, bring your stream and your station up to par. No charge at all and uh, get it in our featured station. So, um, but if you have a station that you want us to take under consideration to uh, feature on this section of our website, again, we're looking for stations that's targeting African-Americans, uh, Jamaicans, just African-descendant people, no matter where they are. Shout out to the Bahamas, got a station from the Bahamas and uh, Jamaica as, as well. Uh, one from Gabon, Africa, sometimes uh, they're speaking in their indigenous language. Uh, other times I'm hearing English. But I'm also hearing music as well, um, uh, cultural based music. So a lot, a lot there to choose from. And we just hope that's uh, helpful. I feel like, you know, that's that's part of our mission of Black Talk Media Project is to uh, get more, bring more black voices and listeners together. All right. So um, we're going to move on unequal justice this was published october the 1st it was uh published on cdpl.org cdpl.org that's the center for the death penalty litigation which is based in north carolina durham north carolina shout out to uh, minister truth paul uh, who lives and works in that area it goes on to say how obsolete laws and unfair trials created North Carolina's outsized death row. And it got some bullet points. It actually has a 32-page uh, presentation of the study right there on the website, right there. And I've linked to it, uh, btrcommunity.com. Just look for it. If you're a member or not, it's a public post. You'll be able to see it, should be able to scroll down the timeline on the front page of btrcommunity.com and find it. But it's a 32-page report. Uh, it's embedded online, depending upon your uh, internet speed. Um, you know, that's how fast you're going to be able to get through this 32 pages. But this article or this post on their website just kind of highlights it, and we'll talk about 
I want to bring up some of these issues. And again, there has been progress since 2008, but victims of the laws pre-2008, uh, uh, after they repealed, were repealed, st- these people still remain on death row. Um, it says the death penalty is all but extinct in North Carolina. Juries have recommended only a single new death sentence in the past four years. The state hasn't carried out an execution since 2006, yet North Carolina has the sixth largest death row in the nation. Shout out to Mark Clements, uh, No More Death Penalty, based in Chicago, uh, since Chicago uh, was brought up during that press conference. Um, victim of John Burge, uh, the former police Chicago police commander who just died recently. Uh, so it goes on to say with more than 140 men and women. So that what 140 is what gets you the sixth largest death row in the nation. Um, it's a relic of another era. More than 100 of North Carolina's death row prisoners, about three quarters of them, were sentenced in the 1990s under widely different laws. Again, this was, you know, um, Joe Biden is mentioned as a 2020 candidate and he's been getting his little shots in to keep his name relevant through social media and through the media making statements about this, that, and the other. But this man has to give an account for the legislation that he helped Bill Clinton uh, uh, pass because he was a member of, of the Senate at, at the time, wasn't he? He was a member, or yeah, um, I believe he was. He wasn't uh, Clinton's vice president. I think he was a senator uh, at that time. But anyway, he wrote some of the legislation. They put all these slave catchers out on the street uh, with all these laws uh, on the state level, which the federal government, Justice Department, did not oppose the practicing of. And, you know, um, he wrote a lot of these bills that led to mass incarceration. Joe Biden, that's who you want to consider to be president just because he's got a D behind his name. Kamala Harris, another one who was mentioned, who argued as uh, the head of California um, Attorney General. Uh, I don't know if they're elected or appointed in, in California, but anyway, she had that position. Attorney General of California, the largest state in the union. And she argued to keep their prisons, uh, keep hold of their prisoners because they didn't want to let anybody out to comply with a Supreme Court order to to uh, ease overcrowding because it was violation of the Eighth Amendment. And her office, even though she didn't personally argue with before the Supreme Court, the lawyers for her office did, and you're not going to tell me she didn't sign off or didn't know what they was going to argue. She can play that card all she want to. Scotty ain't 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 picking it. Scotty's not choosing uh, to believe that. All right, and so you know they wanted to keep them what two dollar a day firefighters. Oh, they coming in handy. See, Kamala told y'all if y'all had to let them slaves go, who would be helping uh, or trying to help? Uh, stem this fire, this historic fire. I think I've heard a couple of articles state uh, who else would be uh, uh, fighting these fires if we didn't have hold on to these slaves and make a deal with the GO group, I believe it was, uh, to house these slaves for us. That's your 2020 candidate. 
And she never responds to any criticism or questions, uh, questioning her qualifications or credentials to be talking on uh, prison reform or criminal justice reform. Or and she never has spoken on slavery, Thirteenth Amendment, none of that. So um, to date. You know, in the political realm, there is no politician of any party that's holding office that's talking about ending slavery. They may be talking about some reform, but the Republicans don't even want to put anything on the table going into um, the elections. I wonder why. I wonder, is it because of the influence the prison industry has over them? Don't forget, they gave a lot to Trump, and Trump during the campaign was uh, uh, pushing private prisons in his stop in, in Wisconsin. All right, so let's put that on the table. Let's see if Trump opening the change in his mind, because like he said, it's costing a lot of money. So is the prison lobbyists, the modern-day slavers and human traffickers, are they the ones that have sway over the GOP, that they don't want to put no criminal justice reform on the table ahead of the 2018 elections? So that means they don't care about that, that voting block. They care about those issues. So, and, and I'm, I'm not seeing anything serious from the Democrats and then the parties who are being held up have participated, supported, voted for continuation of prison slavery and how they operate. So, you know, I, I hope that we reasonable people can come to the logical conclusion that we need to get out of this gang, political gang affiliation men mentality. It doesn't matter to me what you registered as. But when you act like, uh, um, you know, you're going to fight somebody over the colors they represent. And all logic goes out the door. Doesn't matter who's right or wrong, what what's accurate or what's not accurate. I'm taking this opposite position. I'm not even willing to discuss it. I'm just going to call you out your name or use some kind of derogatory term. They, you know, they always inventing new political terms to uh, which are derogatory terms used in a derogatory fashion. Now, what is that solving? People spending. I, I was reading this story about this woman who said that her son, who's in the Navy, 26 years old, won't even go out on a date alone with a girl without a chaperone because of these false accusations of rape in the Me Too movement and, you know, all of this in the wake of the accusations against Kavanaugh. She's pro-Kavanaugh, pro-Trump. And it turned out to be a lie. This is just something she put out on social media saying, using her son's picture, it went viral too. Saying the Me Too movement got my Nate, my son who's in the Navy, scared to go out on a date because of the all all of these false allegations. Completely made up story. Because she had then bought into that. It's all about winning. Uh, 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 I don't know what what you winning. What are you winning? A bunch of likes or something for your ability 
to slam people, uh, you know, use derogatory words towards them. Doesn't doesn't seem like anything of, of value to me. And then her son, you know, came out and said, well, actually, I'm a supporter of the Me Too movement. This is a complete fabrication. What drove this mother to use her son as a political prop and tell a lie? telling you political gang affiliation getting to this report it says that beginning in 2001 after investigations and DNA testing all right I need to back up more than 100 of North Carolina's death row prisoners about three quarters were sentenced in the 1990s that's why I went off on my tangent and I apologize but I, I had to bring the current connections to that and the names involved because they talking about running for president. During those years, North Carolina juries sent dozens of people a year to death row, more than Texas. The state's courtrooms were dominated by prosecutors like Ken Honeycutt in Stanley County who celebrated new death sentences. Listen to this, y'all. By handing out noose lapel pins to its assistant prosecutors. We just lynched us a nigga. Doing this openly. Beginning in 2001, after investigations and DNA testing began to reveal innocent people on death row, a wave of reforms transformed the landscape. New laws guaranteed capital defendants such basic rights as trained defense attorneys, and the right to see all the evidence in their cases. See, a lot of people talk about taking things for granted. In the state of North Carolina, the prosecution could could hide witnesses and, and evidence from the defense and give you no time to prepare or dispute or disprove or offer a counter witness to show this person lying. Or, or you know, you, you just can't can't do it. In the on uh what what's that popular cop television show, um special victims union uh, uh what is it law and law and order special victim union uh a unit and then they got some other ones where they mention that sort of thing you know the prosecution has to disclose all the and that's the way it, but it wasn't like that here in North Carolina until at least two thousand and one so it says that a court mandate. Um, requiring prosecutors to seek death for virtually every first degree murder. The only such requirement in the nation was ended. So that meant if you killed somebody, you was convicted of first degree murder. By law, you had to be put to death. Then again, as, as we see, as was stated in this article earlier, then you use DNA testing. And lo and behold, you got all these innocent people. Let me get to some of the bullet points, and then we're going to play this video about the victim, um, one of the victims. Unequal justice finds, let me see, that finds that out of 142 death row prisoners in North Carolina, 92%, 131 people were tried before a 2008 package of reforms intended to prevent false confessions and mistaken eyewitness identification, which have been the leading causes of wrongful convictions across the country. The new laws required interrogations and confessions to be recorded 
and homicide cases and set strict guidelines for eyewitness lineup procedures. 84% 119 death row uh, inmates were tried before law granting defendants the right to see all the evidence in the prosecutor's file, including information that might help reduce their sentence or prove their innocence. 73% 104 were sentenced before laws barring the execution of people with intellectual disabilities. Despite a promise of relief for those less culpable defendants, disabled prisoners remain on death row. 73% 103 were sentenced before the creation of a statewide indigent defense agency that drastically improved the quality of representation for poor people facing the death penalty and a law ending an unprecedented requirement that prosecutors pursue the death penalty in every aggravated first-degree murder. Before these changes, prosecutors did not have the ability to seek life sentences in these cases, and poor people often received a substandard defense. So let's play, let, let, let's hear from this victim who got freed from death row here in North Carolina and what he had to say or hear about his story, and his name is Nathan Bowie. More than 140 men and women sit on North Carolina's death row today. This is the story of one of those men. On May 24, 1991, Nathan Bowie and his uncle, William Bowie, shot two unarmed men to death on a street corner in Hickory, North Carolina. Soon after, they turned themselves into the police. Nathan was 20 years old. Since he couldn't afford an attorney, he was given a court-appointed one named Tom Portwood. At the trial, prosecutors described an execution-style killing. Nathan, they told the jury, shot two men to death with less feeling than I would have if I stomped an ant by mistake. The jury quickly sentenced Nathan and his uncle to death for the killings of Nelson Shuford and Calvin Wilson. Only after Nathan was sentenced to death for his crimes did he realize just how incompetent his lawyer had been. Portwood would arrive at the jail to visit Nathan smelling of alcohol. Because I'm an alcoholic, I can look at somebody else and sort of see if they're having a problem with something. And to me, he had a problem with drinking. But who am I to say that, that he's an alcoholic? Nobody is going to believe me. Nobody is going to trust my word. Only years later, when he was dying of an alcohol-related illness, did Portwood admit to drinking 12 shots a day and coming to court drunk, even in capital cases. During the time he represented Nathan, police stopped Portwood's car and measured his blood alcohol content at five times the legal limit, enough to kill most people. Today, evidence about the client's background and life story are key to capital defense. This evidence helps put the crime in context, and while it doesn't excuse killing or eliminate the need for severe punishment, it usually persuades a jury to vote for life instead of death. 
but Nathan missed that chance because his attorneys went to court unprepared and lacking significant evidence. This allowed prosecutors to paint Nathan as a seasoned killer. I mean, they could just say that type of stuff that I'm in some uh, uh, gang or, or all this, this violence and stuff that they portrayed me. That's not me. And that's, that's so far from the dang on truth. And it's just unbelievable. On the day before the murder, Shuford and Wilson argued with Nathan's aunt and fired a shot at her. Nathan believed his family was in danger, so he agreed to help his uncle track the men down. He says he never intended to kill them, but when he and William found themselves going up against a group of men he assumed were armed, he panicked, fired several shots, and fled. Nathan knows he committed a terrible crime and deserves to be punished. All he wanted was a fair trial and a chance to tell his whole story. I made a mistake. It was no no evil intent. I was scared. Uh, but he just they just twist the story all up. They don't know who I am. The, the jury didn't know who I am. It's just whatever the the, the, the DA had said and, and what my lawyer didn't say. His childhood was marred by abuse, neglect, and his family members' substance abuse. They lived in poverty without the resources for effective treatment. When he was just 11 years old, Nathan began to self-medicate with alcohol. Yeah, his mother had substance abuse issues, um, both with alcohol and with drugs. And it wasn't a safe environment for him, so DSS would intervene. He would end up in a foster home. Nathan spent six years at an orphanage. At the orphanage, the young men were sexually abused, and Nathan slept with a large stick to try to protect himself. But because the defense lawyers didn't do their job, they never accessed the wealth of information about his life that showed his troubles, if any jury had seen him for the human being he is, the lovable human being, the loved human being, that no jury would have sentenced him to death. After Nathan's conviction, North Carolina introduced several reforms that would have prevented what happened to Nathan. In 2001, the state legislature created the Office of Indigent Defense Services. This office now closely monitors the performance of capital defense attorneys. Today, Tom Portwood would not be appointed to defend a person facing the death penalty. In 2004, North Carolina added open file discovery to felony cases, allowing defendants to see all the information in the prosecutor's file. In Nathan's case, the prosecution withheld a letter from Sipes Orchard Home, an orphanage where Nathan lived for over five years. And this is a letter where the prosecutor was told that Nathan was one of the favorites of several staff members and that talked about his potential and offered to talk to the prosecutor and put their phone number uh, right in this letter. This is precisely the type of evidence that helps a jury see a defendant's humanity and potential for redemption. But the prosecution lied to the jury about the willingness of people from Sipes to testify for Nathan. The prosecutor said the defense couldn't find a single witness from Sipes Orchard Home. He told the jury, quoting, why didn't they get somebody in here from there? Think about it. So the prosecutor made this argument after having received this letter about Nathan being the favorite of several staff members in inviting him to call them to talk about Nathan. It made me feel hopeless that um, I had to sit there and listen to him 
make my son look like a cold-blooded murder. If a jury knew that this was a lie, um, they wouldn't have imposed the death penalty. The situation I'm in, which I'm very sorry for, doesn't mean he's just no, you know, just throw me away, you know what I'm saying? I made a mistake, I was scared, uh, and I just want to help my family. Dear Mom, I got a chance to finally hug you after all these years. This is all I have been thinking about. Well, it's just barbaric that Nathan was given two death sentences by a jury who didn't know who he was. Because if they knew who he was, uh, that his mother loved him, that the folks from Sipes loved him, that they never would have sentenced him to death. More than three quarters of the people who now sit on death row in North Carolina were tried before these key reforms which were designed to ensure fair trials. Under modern laws, many of them would likely not have been sentenced to death. It's time to revisit these cases and ensure that each person receives equal treatment under the law. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. And that, um, again, we're discussing a report um, from the Center for the Death Penalty Litigation, which is based in Durham, North Carolina. Um, and in some other uh, articles about it that I have read, um, the question, one of their representatives, a spokesperson for the organization, put the question out there to, uh, what are you going to do about it? Uh, Governor Roy Cooper, who's a Democrat for those who, who again, practicing that gang affiliation, and um, the predominantly Republican legislatures. What are you going to do about all, all of these people that's sitting on death row? And, again, one of the things, uh, some barbaric behavior, since somebody mentioned that term uh, during that clip, North Carolina has a, has a history documented history, the evidence out there has been lawsuits um, but of disqualifying black jurors American citizens from sitting in these cases my, um, my, my baby brother had an all white jury and it's at least, always been at least a 20% black population here probably more back then than it is now but um, you know all, it purposely excluding Jurors, and that's why I tell people, man, uh, register to vote. That's how you get on the jury pool, even if you don't vote. Do you? Would you go sit on a a, a jury where a person um, life is hanging in in the balance, or uh, decades or life in prison over nonviolent drug crimes like Alice Johnson? You gonna vote guilty on that? You know, it's it's a su- such thing as jury nullification. They practice it. Um, during pre-1865 slavery uh, under the Fugitive Slave Act when people would get charged with assisting victims of slavery in their escape and they get charged as co-conspirators or, or, or accessories or whatever uh, the jury would vote not guilty because they didn't agree with the law put the law on trial 
instead of the people and voted not guilty. That's called jury nullification. We can use that now. That's a tactic that we can use use now to bring some relief. So it's not always just on. It's it's not just on elected representatives. It's on us as people. And we need to stop uh, coming up with excuses, thinking that uh, society just going to collapse, and and then you know we're going to fight it out like. I guess some uh, walking dead type scenario uh, with all these people, you know, fighting civil wars and, and things of that nature. I, I, I don't see that and I hope hope to don't see that. But um, if that's what you're waiting on for some relief, um, I, I say uh, millions of people can't that's in slavery can't wait that long. Uh, let me see. That's about it on that on that story. So um, it is on me to contact my state senator, representative, uh, governor, um, to press this issue. That's how, how that works. It's not on, on just the person who tells you the story or, or slaps that issue on somebody's desk. It's then on, on the rest of the people to use their collective power. Like Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a demand. All right, last story that I want to share with you. And the only reason I'm sharing this story with you is because of the extreme codification under very stressful situation by this black man and how him keep being cool, calm, collected, and codified perhaps saved his life, definitely prevented him from being arrested. Uh, he was taking proactive measures, wasn't responding, had his own, you know, he's driving for, for a lift, and so he equipped his car with a um, video dash cam where he can record uh, what's going on since you're picking up strangers and, and what have you. So let me read some of this story. This came to you from instinctmagazine.com. A gay New Yorker calls police on N-word Lyft driver who's racist against gay people. And as some people in the comments point out, gay is not a race. Um, we just discussed, I uh, think that was yesterday, when was that? On New Abolitionist Radio, um, we discussed the invention of white people through legislation and uh, creating so-called racists. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> this guy's claiming that being gay, gay, oh, you're practicing racism against me because I'm gay. I mean, really. Um, let me see. Here's some bullet points before we play some of this video. I'm not going to play the whole 15 minutes, just five minutes of it. Apparently, this gay man named Robert Ortiz got into a lift car with two friends after leaving a gay club. At some point during the drive, the three men asked the driver named Shane Peppis Letman to play music. Letman declined in an argument followed, which resulted in Letman stopping the car. At this point, Ortiz picked up his own phone to call the police, and Letman started recording the men as they became more belligerent. If the video below is too long for you or in case you missed some things, here are a few important lines from Ortiz in the recording. I came out of a gay club and your driver is racist against gay people. I called the police to protect myself because I know my legal rights as an American citizen that voted for Trump. 
uh, talking to a Lyft representative, uh, talking to this uh, uh, Mr. Lett. I'm not going to stop talking, you piece of S-H-I-T. You're going to tell me to stop effing, uh, stop talking, F you. I'm going to wait for the police, then hangs up. So they, they were talking to somebody that works for Lyft um, and not the driver. Um, I'm going to make his night a living hell. Uh, then he goes on to say, after video calling a friend, yo, boo, tell me why I'm in a Lyft and, and this N-word effing pulled over the n-word recording me without my petition consent because i asked for music so i mean it, it goes on um and i'll i'll tell you how this turned out for both parties after we listen to some of this clip so this is from the drive i'm telling you again i did my job as a citizen and i called the police i'm not leaving this car Sir, I'm not giving you anything until the police get here until I can identify who you are. Yes, um, yes, yes. And I'm waiting for the police because I'm not gonna sit here and be discriminated against because all I asked for was you. I came out of a gay club and your driver's racist against gay people. 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 Again, sir, you're being very argumentative. If you're calling from the headquarters and this is a recorded line, I am going to sue Lyft for everything that's going on and I'm going to put this on the next social media. You're record I'm not leaving because they charge me. I'm not leaving until the cops get here. I'm not leaving until the cops get here. I'm not leaving until the cops get here. I'm not leaving until the cops get here because I'm going to file a police report. And after I file a police report, I'm going to go to court. Yep, because you're calling me and you're going to tell me as a representative, you don't even know what's going on. If you're trying to figure out the situation, I'm calm. I'm telling you that I called the police to protect myself because I know my legal rights as an American citizen, American citizen that voted for Trump, a legal citizen that voted for Trump and sat here and came into your vehicle and asked for music. That's all I asked for was music. And your driver pulled over, got very offensive and decided to whatever little message he sent you without even consent on recording me. And I'm gonna tell you this now, if he continues to record me, my lawsuit's gonna get bigger. I'm not gonna stop talking, you piece of shit. You gonna tell me to stop talking? Fuck you. I'm going to wait for the police. All right. Let me narrate for a second there. So he was on the phone with the Lyft uh, representative, their customer service. So, again, you had to see the video. I posted it to btrcommunity.com. Um, I don't know if I added it to blacktalkradionetwork.com. But anyway... So he's on the phone there cursing out the customer service rep for a lift. But you had to see the video the whole time. The black dude ain't saying nothing. Um, ain't saying a word. He's recording, which is his right uh, to record in the state of New York uh, because he's a party of the con of conversation. 
Uh, he's calling him names later, calling him, you know, the N word and, and, um, you know, directing comments towards him. That makes the Lyft driver, uh, Mr. Let, a party to the conversation. So a lawsuit gets dismissed on that <laughs> right there. Um, uh, so that's what's going on. So he did everything he was supposed to do. Not saying nothing. Let the customer serve. This is great for workplace racism on the cows, by the way. Somebody need to submit this clip um, or get this guy. I actually reached out to him for an interview, but I'd be willing to pass that interview on uh, to Gus on uh, Thursday nights. If they still do them, I haven't seen a recent program, but Thursday night uh, workplace rape racism. Because uh, this is a, a perfect teaching uh, to let him talk to the people I work for and just sit it, sit in my car and, uh, you know, let them handle it. And the guy starts getting more belligerent. And I would say even came close to assaulting the Lyft driver when he put the phone in his face as he, you know, started uh, recording or video calling someone they described. He video called someone and uh, like he's going to put um, the driver on blast. So let me continue. I'm not leaving until the cops get here. I'm going to make his night a living hell. You picked the right one because I work very good, buddy. You picked the right one. Yo, boo, tell me why I'm in the lift and the nigga fucking pulled over. He pulled over. Hold on. The nigga's recording me without my consent because the lift, because I asked for music and he's recording me. Look, he's recording me. So you can see. No. He stopped because he assumed because all I asked for was music that he got mad. I am, but they're wait we're waiting for the police because this faggot charged me. Oh, wow. <laughs> I see you in a few. All right. All right. Now I missed that part right there. Uh, he called him a faggot. He he called the black male the African American. Uh, he could be an immigrant. I don't know him like that. But anyway, uh, he called him a faggot. Used what what's that called? A racial slur. Um, if, if I was to call somebody a faggot that's gay, I would be accused of uh, practicing um, bigotry against gay people. And they'll be trying to shut shut down black talk radio. And, and come on, man. Uh, anyway, so he's talking to somebody on the phone that, that he called and, you know, making it seem like, oh, this dude just pulled over when I asked to hear some music. And that's not what happened. He didn't want to turn on the radio. He's not obligated to turn on the radio for your listening pleasure or whatever. Um, and it might be part of their their job. Um, you don't hear anything in a cab, any music playing. Um, but anyway, not any cab that I've gotten in. Um, so he argues with the guy. Um, before the re the guy started recording, but arguing with him, being belligerent with him because he wouldn't turn on the music. So he's like, okay, we in this ride right here. You can find somebody else totally within his rights as an independent contractor for Lyft because let's not call him an employee because that's not the relationship there. Let this motherfucker I'm not letting go. this piece of shit go. Let him the go. Right the police is right there. I'm not letting this hello, motherfucker hello, go. Hello, hello, hello. 
Hello. Hello. Hello. I'm not letting this piece of shit go. I'm American. Hello. These motherfuckers don't want to stop because, oh my God. Hello. Let this motherfucking nigga go. I'm not letting him go. Could I say one thing? I'm not letting him go till the cops get here because I'm in my legal right. Could I say this one thing? This nigga recorded me on all I asked for was music. Alright, could I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead, please. There's a sign right there on the door that said that you will be recorded. No, completely understandable. Thank you. But you're recording me right now. We'll be recorded as the ride goes. You're recording me without my consent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to record... Okay, we don't need to hear anymore. So not only... Um, with or without a sign, anybody that's a party to a conversation, same here in North Carolina, um, but uh, also in New York, if you're a party to that conversation, you are a party to it and you can record it. Only it's called one party uh, consent. So he even I didn't even know he had a sign up in there that you will, will be recorded for these instances. So if you're an Uber Lyft driver out there, it might be a good idea. Um, to uh, get you a dash cam a video system set up. Or you, you guess you could just use a smartphone and Facebook Live it, you know. Um, if you want to go the cheaper route and you don't have to make them uh, live, you could make them for view, uh, you only can see it, and then you just change the setting later uh, for the public viewing of it. So uh, that's a that's a good way. Uh, to protect yourself behind these enemy lines against racists. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think that's it for you. We're a little over tonight, but I felt it was warranted. So, we're going to get ready to uh, wrap up BTR News. God willing, I'll be back on air with a live broadcast tomorrow, uh, perhaps. Let's see, gather some of the reactions out here uh, to... Kanye's Trump and Jim Brown summit on criminal justice reform, prison slavery, the 13th Amendment, uh, jobs, and those are the, the central core issues that I'm focusing on. All, all the other stuff I, I'll choose, but we, we'll take a look to see how the media is playing this. All right, so um, please, thank you. First of all, thank you to those who uh, do make donations or become members of btrcommunity.com and helping us remain independent by uh, providing us with the financial resources that we need to keep streaming. And um, we're trying to improve it every day, um, but, you know, when you have a small budget, you can only do so much, but we're appreciative to be able to uh, at least provide what we have over the past 10 years, and, and listeners make that happen, and listeners will continue to make that happen. All right, with that said, recognize that you live behind the enemy lines of USA, Inc. Slavery was never abolished. It was transformed to go through the courts and with the final destination being the prison plantation. Uh, either, you, either you're going to abolish something or you're not. There's no in-between. There, there it just simply doesn't compute. So we need to end slavery. And there are many different ways we can tackle um, this issue at the state level, um, at the federal level, um, just as long as everybody's doing something uh, with the talents and the resources that they have. And I'm sure we'll get it done uh, before the next 20 years. All right, with that said, peace and blessings to all. 
be safe out there.